It's lovely to see everyone here this morning and to meet together. And uh, I pray that uh, the warmth of our fellowship will uh, will outdo the cold and the damp of what's outside. And let's thank God for this this warm building and this opportunity to meet together to worship. Have you ever heard the, the phrase God botherer? Some people talk about Christians as being God-botherers, as though, though God actually minded uh, people coming to him. There's a, uh, a parable in, uh, uh, in, in uh, the reading today that we're going to take in, in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus talks about a man who, who goes to a friend and says, at uh, midnight, and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And the impression is that the person who is who is being asked, is not that keen on giving, giving gifts. But then Jesus contrasts that with, uh, with God and says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened we meet together to come to God. We meet together as a community, as a family, but also as individuals to seek God and to ask him, well, what do you come to ask him this morning? I'm sure that if I asked each of you, I'd get a, a, a completely different answer, or a very different answer. But whatever it is we seek, whoever it is that we are, we come to the one God. And we're going to start our service this morning by singing, Lord, impart to us thy wisdom. Let's pray together. Lord God, as we approach you this morning, we pray for your peace in our hearts. We pray for your encouragement in our ear. And Lord, we pray for your strength in our bodies. Lord, we ask that you will transform us by being here. We pray that you'll transform us by being together. And Father, we we think of those who aren't here for whatever reason, whether it's because they're not well, because they're not willing, because they have other things that are taking their attention. And Lord, we pray for those who are serving you in other ways and in other places. Lord, may each of them 
be strengthened too in the way that you know they need. And bless us as we meet in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just got the care announcements now. A note from Esther, first of all. Um, Please keep Hannah, Elliot and Imogen in your prayers. Imogen has had two incidents this week where she stopped breathing while in her car seat during journeys. After the second time, which happened yesterday lunchtime, she was taken to hospital. She's still in under investigation. She seems okay today, but the family are still very worried. So perhaps we could think about that in our pastoral prayer. We have no uh, specific news, uh, care news this week, but we remember the following. Uh, Steve East from Stockport, who had a stroke over a week ago, but seems to be a lot better now. We're pleased to hear that. Pete Green and Malcolm Storer are away uh, on missionary work in Armenia this week. We think of Pauline and Gladys, Marion and Bill, with their ongoing health problems. And John Bonani, still working in the Congo. <clears throat> and Mark and Elaine, as they prepare for their new baby. And we remember a number of brothers and sisters who belong to our church, who for various reasons that we don't see. Haley and Tammy, Louise Rawson, Colin Stevens, Eloise, Sarah Lewis, Phoebe and Des, Ben and Debbie, Norman and Margaret, Devon and Christine, Tony and Sarah Miles. We think of them and pray for them. And Our prayer theme for this month is for those who show Jesus to others as parents who are at home full time. Those are all the announcements for this week. Thank you. <clears throat> Before we pray, does anyone have any any other news or uh, anyone that they would like us to, to remember together? Just to add a little bit to what uh, Andrew was saying about Pete and Malcolm. Liz has heard from Pete that he's, they've arrived in Armenia and it's very hot and they're very busy. Okay, let's, let's pray together. Lord God, you are the one that we seek to serve in our church life and in our home and family lives in our work lives in all that we do and we come to you now to bring our family before you Lord we we say that we bring them before you but they are always before you and you are always our Lord, whether we acknowledge you or not. Father, we, we pray for those who are unwell. We, we pray for those who are unhappy and unsettled. 
We pray for those who are away working in your service. We pray for those who go to start new lives on the other side of the world. Lord, we pray for those who are elderly and suffering from the difficulties that come with long life. Lord, we pray for those who grieve and those who still miss loved ones. Father, bless them. Bless us. And we pray, Lord, use each of us to be a blessing to the other. We don't just expect your direct healing hand, but Lord, we pray for your empowering of us to be that word of encouragement, to be that helpful face, to be that word of advice. Bless us as a family, bless us as a church in the, in the work that we have to do. Because we ask all of these prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. 
When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, By Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armour in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places, seeking rest, and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. The sign of Jonah, chapter, 29, chapter 11, verse, starting from verse 29. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, This is a wicked generation. It asks for miracles, miraculous signs, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites, so also was the Son of Man. Will the Son of Man be to, the gener to this generation? The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now, one greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now, one greater than Jonah is here. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on its stand so that those who come in may see, it, may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are bad, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is 
and not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be completely lighted as when light, the light of a lamp shines on you. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So, he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal was, was, was surprised. Then the Lord said to him, Now, then, you Pharisees clean the outside of, of, of the cup and, and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the, the one who made the outside make the whole the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor, and everything will be cleaned for you. Woe to the Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden birds, herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have praised, practiced the, la the latter without leaving the, the former undone. Woe to, your, to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the, in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves which men walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load, you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you blind you you, you blind tombs for the prophet. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets. And it was your father, your forefathers, who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your forefathers did. They killed the prophets. And you built their tombs. Because of this, God, in his wisdom, said, I will send them prophets and, uh, and apostles, some of whom they will kill, and others they will prosecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that, that has been shed since the, the beginning of the world. From the blood of Ab Abel, to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. 
when Jesus left there, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Thank you, Issa and, and Sylvia. <clears throat> it's a, a fairly terrifying set of condemnations of the, uh, of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who outwardly seem to be doing everything right and yet who got it so wrong. We don't come with all sorts of the need for all sorts of rituals that are laid down in the same way that the Pharisees thought they did. But we're here meeting together listening to and listening for God's word. We're going to sing together. To behold your glory the glory of my God and King. I bow down before you to worship and adore you, my God, the Holy One, the King. Dave is going to come up and uh, give us words of exhortation. Some months ago, an email was circulated whereby a certain set of circumstances was described and it was then followed up by a reply as to how to deal with those circumstances. This happened the same week when a situation arose in my family and I observed the response to that situation which then explained some earlier behaviour by those individuals. The reaction to the family situation was particularly interesting because I was looking at it more as, a, as, as an outside observer but I could see different people's reactions and responses. My own thoughts were be tolerant, understanding, supportive. Others were less tolerant. They responded that the individual should be counselled, should be changed because they could not tolerate the other person's wishes. Both these things happened in the same week. Made me think about tolerance. My experience with the engineering trade was very, very many years ago. I was never an engineer. But they did mention tolerances and talked in terms of one or two thou, in those days, a thousandth of an inch. That's the margin of error when making a particular component and 
how that was measured in thousandths of an inch. And that was how far it could be in or out, over or above the prescribed measurement, and it would still fit. I went into local government finance some 30, 40 years ago. And in those days, we balanced to the penny. There was no margin for error. Accounts, cash, sums, everything had to be right. I spent many hours, days, weeks in some cases, balancing and reconciling accounts and systems. Today things are very different and instead of a, a set of accounts balanced to the penny, we might show a graph with figures to the nearest thousand to ten thousand pounds. I can even hear my mother using one of her standard phrases in telling me off. I will not tolerate whatever it was I was guilty of at that particular time. And today, if we tolerate something, then that usually means that we will put up with it. That we may not necessarily approve of that incident, set of circumstances, whatever. But we'll put up with it. I mean, it might be a phrase like, I can't tolerate that wallpaper. And we don't give it our approval but then again we don't get the steamer and take it off and repaper the walls. We'll put up with it. However, are we tolerant? This is, has, for me, a, a different connotation. If we are a tolerant person, living in a tolerant society, we are usually seen as, 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 a, as good people. If we are seen as intolerant, then we are bad. We have laws that tell us what we can and cannot say. We can have our opinions, but if they are expressed, then we can be breaking those laws. Should we be law-abiding? And I thought about the next word, should we be law-abiding citizens? What are we citizens of? We take all the advantages of being, I would think here, mostly citizens of the United Kingdom. But ours is a greater kingdom, that of the kingdom of God. And if I'm willing to take the advantages of this, of the United Kingdom, then I must take the disadvantages. 
we are fine when the two coincide the citizenship of the United Kingdom the citizenship of the Kingdom of God it's just as wrong to steal in the United Kingdom as it is in the Kingdom of God and giving to Caesar what is Caesar's but then the two citizenships collide and that may be over an opinion I'm conscious that this service is usually recorded and published on the internet so should I break the law in what I say I'll err on the side of caution but what about my private thoughts what of the thoughts of those that did go against the establishment that those that turned away from the established religions that gave us the right to read the Bible to have, uh, to have it in our own language those that were punished sometimes with death because of their beliefs and that have helped us to form our own. Were they the tolerance or the intolerance? We've mentioned harvest, it's, it's coming to that time of year. So, let's have a look at a parable. about the harvest Matthew 13 verse 24 parable of the weeds then Jesus told them another parable the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed in his field but while everyone was sleeping his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away when the wheat sprouted and formed heads then the weeds also appeared the owner's servant came to him and said sir didn't you sow good seed in your field where then did the weeds come from an enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Did you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because whilst you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds, and tie them in bundles to be burned and gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. We all know that the wheat field is the world and many different people live in it. And God is willing to let them live because there is always a chance 
that they will change. We, we all can. We all have changed. Unlike the seed, it grows and if you plant petunias, you will get petunias. If you plant peas, you will get peas. If you plant cabbages, you will get cabbages. But although seed will grow into whatever it is meant to be, wheat or weed, it cannot change. But we can. We can change. About 35 years ago, I had an accident. I injured my left knee. I was actually treated by Charles Crawford's father, Mike, at the time. He was then a newly qualified doctor. We were on holiday, and Mike told me to rest. It was a camping holiday, and I couldn't really stay in bed. And... When I returned from the holiday, I saw my GP, who gave me a sick note for at least a couple of weeks to stay off work and rest. In those days, I, I had to take it into work and found that the office was in utter chaos and they needed someone with my particular powers of persuasion was what they um, uh, look, complimented me uh, me with, it was their powers of persuasion uh, that actually got me to, uh, to go into work despite what the doctor had said. They promised I wouldn't have to leave my desk, they'd bring me everything I needed to do my work and cups of tea, whatever I wanted. And really I was going to have as much rest at work as I would have done at home. So I went to work. I have never been able to walk the same since. I've only recently been able to drive a car since the last one we went for was automatic. My left leg has nothing to do. But we did reach a point some years ago when Jessica needed a nursery and childminders and I had to be there on time to collect her. So I needed to be on the road. I couldn't drive a car, so I went for a motorbike. Now, there's a certificate that you need to obtain before you're allowed on the road with L plates on as a motorcyclist called the CBT, Compulsory ba Basic Training, which I took and passed, but I still didn't feel right on the motorbike. Having to use my left leg and, and, and foot to change gear, that leg that doesn't work as well as the other one, that leg that couldn't work a clutch in a car, and could barely work the gears on a bike. I did pass the test um, that day for um, riding a motorbike, but I changed the order with the motorcycle dealer. 
I bought what they call a twist and go scooter instead. No gears, no clutch, nothing for the left leg to do. In the training, I found that on the motorbike, there is no margin for error. A wrong movement, a wrong gear, too much, too little throttle or clutch and the thing would stall and you couldn't move it off because you'd stopped in the wrong gear. Everything had to be perfectly balanced to run smoothly. My new scooter arrived. I tried it out on the car park next to the uh, dealer's. And after a few circuits, some figures of eight and, uh, and whatever manoeuvres I could do on there, I didn't have a good, a great experience with riding geared motorbikes. But just getting on that scooter, riding it round the car park, making movements on it, I got off and my words were it is so forgiving. The difference between the two bikes, the skills needed, that if I made a mistake on the scooter then it would compensate for that mistake. It wouldn't let me do the things that could go wrong on the motorbike as with the scooter. We can all change what mode of transport we drive around in. I can change myself. We can all change. How do we change? Through forgiveness. Through the sacrifice of Jesus we can all be forgiven of whatever we've done whatever opinion we hold or held by following the example of Christ. Matthew chapter 6 verse 12 In fact, we read the other version of this in, 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 in Luke, in Luke, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That we should forgive as we are, as we, we should be forgiven just as we forgive. The first epistle of, of John Chapter 1. 
if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess ourselves, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We can be forgiven. But we must also forgive. We can forgive sins. But how do we tolerate someone with a different opinion? Tolerating does not bring about forgiveness. It constantly smacks of disapproval, but we allow it to continue. Just as we saw with Jesus and those Pharisees. He told them outright that he did not approve of how they saw the law. Of how they saw the way that people should live. How they wanted to impose that on everyone. He didn't tolerate them. He came out and said that they were wrong. But, back to that rounded good person. Being tolerant, and I want to make a distinction between Tolerance and being tolerant shows that we do have respect for others. Many of those that have been undervalued. Tolerance allows us to show that we care and have empathy. It was the tolerance of others that allowed us to read the Bible, to seek out the love of Jesus and the Heavenly Father. It was tolerance that allowed us, that does allow us, to meet and have our services. It is tolerance that allows us to preach the Word of God How do we repay that tolerance? By telling everyone else that they are wrong? We show them that there is no tolerance or that we are totally opposed to different teachings. We have the Pope currently visiting this country. And there's been some concentration on the Catholic faith in the newspapers this week. We hear so much more these days about the Muslim faith. Do we tolerate their views or should we be intolerant to other faiths? I offer no answers to this. I leave this to your own consciences. 
to form your own tolerances, like the engineers. We spoke about forgiving sins, and if we are sinned against by anyone of no faith, of any faith, what should we do? We should forgive them. What are we commanded by God to do to our fellow men? John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. If we love one another, how can we not forgive them? How can we be intolerant of them. Sometimes love shows itself in different ways. If you're a parent that needs to chastise a child, for example, I believe that's what they call tough love these days. Yes, we should forgive, forgive and forgive until 70 times 7. But if we love someone, then we must show them that they are doing wrong, if that's the case. We must show them the right way. In that email that I started with, there was a passage quoted there, Matthew 10 verse 32 whoever acknowledges me before men I will also acknowledge him before my heavenly father we must all acknowledge the Lord Jesus and he will acknowledge us before the father I've always liked the words of Joshua when he's making that final address to the nation as for me and my house we will serve the Lord if we are going to serve the Lord then we must follow him in all his ways showing to others the forgiveness and love that he has shown us and just as with the wheat and weeds, we will live side by side with saints and sinners. Some will be there to give us strength and encouragement. Some will be there who need our strength and our encouragement. Whoever they are, what we must do is show them how God loves and loved us and forgives us. And how we must follow the example of the Saviour, the Lord Jesus. 
If we show them love, then we have shown them how they too may become followers of Jesus. If we show them what's in our hearts, we should be showing them what's in God's heart. The Pharisees loved their ritual, didn't they? Dave has uh, drawn our attention to the way that they were intolerant people. Intolerant towards getting the ritual wrong. Jesus didn't wash his hands, so they told him off. Jesus' disciples picked the corn on the Sabbath, so they told him off. They loved their rituals because they saw in them power and prestige and honour. And the ritual became the point of what they did. Rather than a means to the end, it was the end. But that wasn't what God wanted, it? it was what Jesus warns against. He warned the Pharisees about giving tithes, but neglecting justice and love. They honoured the law and its teachings, but they didn't allow its message and its purpose to penetrate their hearts. And worse still, they acted as gatekeepers or, or bouncers to make sure that others were prevented from understanding and benefiting. We come to break bread and to drink wine and this is also a ritual. A symbolic set of actions. But it's not carried out with the purpose of exclusion or superiority. The bread and the wine are not in themselves important. It's not what I do with it up here that's important. It's what you do with it. We break bread and drink wine for the mental and the spiritual journey on which they take us. From wherever we are now to the foot of the cross to the mouth of the empty tomb and back here again refreshed transformed and renewed. We're going to sing Bread of the world in mercy broken Wine of the soul in mercy shed By whom the words of life were spoken And in whose death our sins are dead And when he had given thanks he broke it John is going to offer our thanks for the bread Dear Holy Father, dear Lord Jesus, I know that you're here with us and that is lovely, Lord. And at this time, 
in our service, we always come to thank you. And we do thank you. We, we thank you for lots of things, Lord. But at this time, Lord, I want to thank you for each other. Lord, some of us are strong and some of us are perhaps not so strong. Some of us very able and some perhaps not so able. But we're all joined together. We're all part of something. Lord Jesus, thank you. They're perhaps not the people that I would have elected to be with and be joined to. But Lord, I know that you know best for us all. And you join us with these people because they're good for us. And because we can serve them. And the point, Lord, is, of course, that we're all part of your body. Lord, I, I think sometimes we perhaps have a, a wrong idea about your body. We, we sort of see it as being something elusive and kind of uh, up there somewhere. Not a real thing, but here it is. It's real. And it's us each one of us and Lord in taking this bread together what we are doing it seems to me Lord maybe I've got it wrong but it seems to me we we are saying I'm a member with you to each other I'm joined with you to each other I love you I care for you. I want to be joined to you in Jesus. Lord Jesus, we, we sometimes say things to each other that are not nice or we get annoyed with each other or we speak out of turn and we do things that are, that are hurtful to each other. Forgive us that for that, Lord. And help us each one to have the ability and the love to forgive and forget and to learn from each other. Lord Jesus, you are the thing that joins us together. So be with us now and bless us richly as we take a bit of this bread and, and share it together. Lord, thank you. Amen. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we meet together as your family to share this simple ritual that you've given to us share this wine together and we're reminded of your blood shed for us we're reminded of the the, the depth and the magnitude of, of the love that you've showed us to try and get us to understand 
how much you love us and how you are willing not just to tolerate us but to forgive us so that we can be a part of your family. And Lord, we thank you for this. Father, thank you for this wine. Thank you for your gift of your son. And please bless us as we share this together and uh, bind us together more strongly as your family. And we pray that you'll bring us closer to you as, uh, as we spend this time together. In Jesus' name, Amen. He took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to finish our service with prayer through Jack, before which we're going to sing together uh, a hymn that I, I really do love. A hymn expressing the Lord that we serve. Christ, whose glory fills the skies, Christ, the true, the only light. Son of righteousness, arise, triumph o'er the shades of night. Day spring from, day spring from on high be near, day star in my heart appear. Our dear, loving Father, when we arrived this morning, each of us came with, with various thoughts and worries, concerns, hopes, ambitions. And we've come to the end of this service and we've spent this time with you. And again, Father, our thoughts would have been all over the place during this time. But hopefully we've spent some time with you and with the Lord Jesus. And David's left us with the thought that as we go from this place that we should show your love, your care and your compassion. Father, it's difficult to do this on the end of the phone. It's difficult doing it by just typing a few words. And Father, it's only way maybe when we can see people face to face to look into their eyes and to hear their voice and see their face that we can share true fellowship with them. So Father, as we leave this place and leave each other, help us to show your love and your kindness to those that we meet this week and be with us and bless us and care for us in Jesus.